0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: In both military and civilian life, automation is taking over a rising number of functions. The original market for simulation was aviation, and the military is using it more and more as a shortcut to training and to save fuel. But increasingly, simulation developers are finding that software for ground combat simulation is a totally different challenge. Here with what's ahead in military simulation, the CEO of Bohemia Interactive Simulations, Arthur Alexion. Mr. Alexion, good to have you on.
0: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: So why does what we know about flight simulation not really translate all that well, because that's where simulation really started decades ago. Why does that not really translate well into the world of other simulations that occur in military situations?
0: Well, I don't want to say a flight simulator is a simple thing to build, but certainly when you're up in the air flying around, there's not a lot else going on. You might get a few clouds and you've got to worry about, uh, I guess, as you're landing, you're in contact with other things. But other types of simulation when you're on the ground or, in fact, underwater... There's a lot more going on around you, particularly in the context of military simulation. You can imagine, you know, an aircraft is flying off its sensors. It can see what's happening on the ground, but it doesn't interact with what's happening on the ground in the same way that if you're a soldier jumping out of a Humvee into a situation where there's been an IED explosion and crowds running around in a panic or whatever, it's a very, very different level of simulation.
1: Yeah, there's no real terrain, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Although nowadays, interestingly, the modern flight simulators, the quality of the sensors, because they're not looking out the window, they're looking at sensors, the quality of those sensors is now becoming such that you can see a lot of detail on the ground, even from a very high, scarily high point, as you can imagine. But certainly you don't get the same interaction with the ground. Uh, That's a lot of what we do with our simulations is interaction between entities. That's when it becomes complicated because you're seeing an entity or you're in some kind of confrontation with an entity, that's when things get complicated.
1: So what are the requirements that the ground forces that you develop software for, what are they asking for in training software these days?
0: Well, the first point to make, I would say, is train how you fight. So obviously what that means is make it as realistic as possible. Training doesn't work if you're taken out of the reality. So if it just feels like a game, it's probably not very good training. What we've seen for years with our product is that you know, they've measured people's heart rates and so on, blood pressure and stuff, and I think the size of pupils and all the indications of stress. Using our product does generate true stress-related reactions to what's going on, and, and that's becoming more and more achievable as you get things like VR headsets as well, because obviously you get a more immersive environment. You're not looking at a computer screen you're actually looking at potentially a a 360-degree view of what's going on. And as these things, VR headsets, but also potentially haptics, if you know what those are, those things as well create even more realism. So as you get more hardware development, we're able in the software to take advantage of that and make things more immersive. Uh, And then obviously just compute power really helps as well because in any mathematical model of the world, you've a simplified model of the world. And you can become less simplified if you've got more compute power.
1: Got it. We're speaking with CEO of simulation software vendor Bohemia Interactive Simulations, Arthur Alexion. And so how is this software created nowadays? I mean, if you look at the early video games, they're almost collector's items now, where it was a matter of pixelation and the little figures moved and it was a matter of designing what pixels did what. It would seem like you'd almost have to start with detailed video and work back toward the code nowadays.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a number of components to any complex video game or a complex military simulation at ground level are somewhat similar. One big component is visualization, and that's getting better all the time. What it looks like on the screen, things like the way the lighting works and, and how realistic the lighting is, is actually very important in, to the human brain as to whether it looks realistic or not. Uh, Obviously, the pixelation you mentioned is pretty much solved now. I mean, you can run things in sufficient detail that the pixelation just isn't noticeable to the human eye. So, visualization of the scene is one big thing. And how it's built in the military simulation is, you know, frankly, we steal a lot of good ideas from the video game industry and and repurpose them and reuse them. uh, And sometimes use technology from the video game industry to facilitate that visualization. But the other key piece is what I mentioned before, this mathematical model. So it's a mathematical model of what's going on in the world. And as I said, it's a simplification of the real world. You know, we don't bother to model the oxygen being trapped under water to create a wake and gradually the oxygen bubbles disappear. We just put some white stuff in the right place and gradually let it disappear. So what we need to do in our simulation is understand what's important to facilitate training and facilitate immersion and what's not important. So, you know, the smoke out of the end of an artillery barrel actually still is important to see that drift with the wind amazingly, even with all this high technology here around, whereas the wake of a boat, as I said, is not really necessary. You could put some white stuff there.
1: And I imagine the haptics get more and more important to be realistic as you create the realism in what's out there. For example, the kick when you fire a rifle, if that doesn't happen in a simulation, then you're going to be a lot better shot than you are in reality.
0: Yes, absolutely right. So the the haptics are important. Uh, Anything you can do to increase immersion. Another interesting thing is obviously in a video game, you join and you're a kind of a generic character, right? In the military, ideally what you want to have is you want to be downloading a set of statistics about yourself as an individual. How fast can you run? How fit are you? How good a shot are you? Are you capable of driving a Humvee or not? Can you fly the helicopter or not? Obviously, in Grand Theft Auto, anybody can jump in and fly a helicopter. That's not realistic, right? So there's a set of things to make things more real, both in terms of haptics, in terms of visuals, uh, and frankly, in terms of the exact configuration of what's happening within this mathematical model of the world.
1: And what is the next grand challenge in all of this? And I asked this because I remember maybe 25, 30 years ago, I went to a show called SIGGRAPH. And one of the grand challenges in the early days of graphic simulation was 360-degree rotation of a wireframe of a human head. And there was a vendor that had a head rotating 360 degrees. Wow, we've solved it. That was a grand challenge back in the 80s and 90s. What are the grand challenges for this type of work ahead?
0: Sure. There's a few um, interesting game changers, I think. One of the big ones is moving to the cloud. So I talked about compute power. And at the moment, you've got this thing called Moore's Law, which is which is not some mathematically proven law. It's just a kind of observational law where computing power doubles every 18 months or whatever the rule is. Interestingly, there's going to be a one-off discontinuity in Moore's Law as you move to the cloud. Because all of a sudden, instead of relying on a single computer with now two chips in because you've got a graphics chip and a CPU as well, you're actually jumping to the cloud And you're suddenly able to use hundreds if you want to, as long as you can run everything in parallel and bring it back together, you can really, really ramp up compute power if you can move to the cloud. So that discontinuity is a really interesting one, both from the point of view of compute power and then also from the point of view of actually just being able to connect to anybody you like anywhere in the world for both of those reasons cloud is really an interesting thing. And it's not been implemented yet. So we're really in, in that chaos of going towards the cloud right now. It's, that's, that's an exciting area for sure.
1: Arthur Alexion is CEO of Bohemia Interactive Simulations. Thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. Really nice to speak to you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows.
0: This episode is brought to you by Zell.